Hello and welcome to the RBC Broadview Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Continue in this posture of just being open before God. It's exactly what um, I felt to share today. If I've met you before, my name's Andrew, one of the pastors here. Um, it's great to be with you here today. Welcome to the last week of our series where we're looking at the icons of the Holy Spirit. You know, for the last four weeks, if you've been around, you would know this, but you haven't. We've been celebrating Pentecost and what we've just done in this moment here and just being open before God is a way of celebrating God, celebrating the Holy Spirit, celebrating what happened at Pentecost, the arrival of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church. We've done this by looking at the different icons that are used to describe couldn't think of the right word with his icons or images. Couldn't think of exactly the same thing. But I thought icons a bit like a computer icon. Don't want to kind of go into some old traditional kind of religious stuff with that word. But these kind of pictures, these kind of images that are used to describe the Holy Spirit that we find in the Bible. We talked about the fire of God. We talked about the fire of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, the way the Holy Spirit burns in our hearts. We talked about the Emmaus Road moment where they said, you know, as they walked with Jesus, something's burning in their heart and changing them from the inside out, the way the fire refines and restores and renews and shapes, um, the way that God talks about the Holy Spirit being like fire, being baptized in fire. Well, that God works in our life to renew us and restore us, to refine us and transform us. And we've spoken about the image of the dove seen in the image of the Spirit, that moment where Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist and it said the Holy Spirit came upon him as, as or like a, like a dove. That image, that's God's Spirit being the image of, of peace, the Spirit of peace, the end of chaos, the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that brings purity and clarity to our lives. And last week we spoke about how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as like living water that wells up within us, that taste of life that he brings to us now and he brings us a taste of what it is for eternity, the everlasting life of the age to come. The living water that rejuvenates us and restores us and brings us life and so much more. These are the ways, like a dove, like fire, like water, like what I'm going to be talking about today is breath and wind, that we are promised by God the ways that we can experience and know him here and now. He's not trapped by these words. They are images that help us. He is not held by these words, but they are images that help us to understand what we're experiencing and we experience him not by a special place or a special time or a special ritual, but 
These things, space and time and ritual, become important to us and special to us because we look back and we see that we encounter God by His Spirit in that moment, whether it's a moment of prayer, whether it was a conversation or a moment in worship like we've just had together, whether it was an incredible sermon like you're hearing right now, no, that incredible sermon, whether it was an amazing pastor or leader or a moment where someone came to your house and prayed with you when you were sick, whether it's taking communion together or maybe it was being by a beach or a lake or walking in a forest. We can find God by his spirit in those places, but he isn't defined by them. They become important to us as we remember and we look back, but he is not defined by them. And the day of Pentecost is one of those moments for humanity, for the church. It's that moment of its birth, that not necessarily because of the people that were in the room. God isn't defined by the people that were in that room that day, though they will become important to the story. God isn't defined by the room itself. In fact, we don't even know where the room exactly is or was. It hasn't become a shrine or an amazing place where people would have come. It wasn't the songs that they might have been singing. It said they were singing psalms, and it, we don't even know exactly what they, they were singing in that moment. So there isn't a way that God can be contained by that. Well, it wasn't about the prayers that they had prayed, but it was because God came. It was because God came by His Spirit. God came like the wind. And so let's read that moment together in Acts 2, 1-4. to It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It says that they were all together in one place like we are today. Not that that is important, but they were together in one place like we are today. And suddenly, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. But the house wasn't important. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the important part. And it was evident. It was evident in the way that they acted. It was evident in the way that they experienced God. It was evident in the way that God moved through them. And it began suddenly. Suddenly, it says. Suddenly like the blowing of a violent wind. The word there in the original language means wind. It's um, pnoi, which means wind or breath of life in Greek. The words for breath and wind in Hebrew and Greek are the same. They are the same word for the spirit. Pneuma in Greek, ryak in, in Hebrew. I'm probably getting that wrong and ruining it and Steph is going to bake me afterwards. It's fine. It's all good. It doesn't matter. The word is, God isn't held down by those words. What is important is that the word is the same. Wind, wind, breath, spirit. And so we could read this passage like this. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent breath of life. It's the same word. Suddenly like the blowing of a violent breath of life came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
And so today, that's what we're going to look at as we finish this series. We're going to look at the Holy Spirit as the breath of life, as the wind of heaven. And what I love about this is it kind of almost describes it for itself. I could finish right here, right now. And I think most of us would understand what breath means because our experience in life is how important breath is to us. And this is the way that Jesus described the Spirit. We read this in John's Gospel. We read this as he commissioned the disciples after he's risen from the dead. It says this in John 20, verse 19 to 22. It says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Why would Jesus breathe on them? Why would Jesus breathe on them? I think it's because he wanted them to understand that the Holy Spirit is the source of life. Just like in Genesis, in the second creation account, we read this. It says in verse 5, Genesis 2 verse 5 onwards, it says, Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. The disciples growing up in Israel would know this story. They were taught this from a very young age. And Jesus, I think, is drawing on this, that we become alive because of God's breath in us. It's what makes us different from the rest of creation. We don't hear him breathing into the different animals and into the different plants, but he breathed into humankind. It's what separates us. And it's the breath of the Holy Spirit that separates the church, that animates the church, that makes us different that sets us apart from everyone else in our city, in, in our nation. As his breath began creation, the breath of the Spirit begins the new creation in us. As the church, we have the truth of God in Scripture. And we know the good news of Jesus. And we have the breath of the Holy Spirit working in us. We know the person of Jesus in us by his breath. He gives us life by the Spirit. He is animating by his Spirit our very being in our gathering together. This should be our experience. Has your experience today been like the breath of life? has come upon you as you worship? Have your experience today as you got up and got about your day been one where you go, I feel like I am being animated by the very Spirit of God today? Because this should be our experience, not because of who we are. As I said before, the disciples, yes, they become important to our story, but God could have used anyone. God can use you. You can know the breath of life, not because of who you are, but because of who he is, what he has done and how much he loves you, as I shared before, around communion. Because of his goodness, because of his love, because of his grace towards you. 
He loves you. He wants you to know this. He wants you to experience this. He wants you to be continually filled by his spirit. In Ezekiel, in the Old Testament, the prophet Ezekiel records what God says and he writes this prophetic image. We're going to be singing a song a little bit later on and some of these words, you might have sung words like this in songs before and here is where it comes from. The prophet Ezekiel says in, verse, in chapter 37, verse 4 onwards, it says, Then he, being God, said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Breath and life, breath and life. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin and I will put breath in you and you will come to life and you will know, you will know that I am the Lord. This image these dry bones that we read, we read in verse 11, are God's people Israel, who'd lost hope. They've lost the promised land. They've been taken in exile. Their future is bleak and their present is suffering. But God is promising something incredible. God declares something incredible that we get to experience right now. He is promising a future experience, a future life for them. And in verse 14, God says this. He says, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. I'll put my spirit in you and you will live. This is God's promise for his people. It's God's promise for you. This is God's promise for me. That his spirit, his breath on the dry bones of life will bring us back to life and you know this is who exactly we are without God without God we are just dry bones no matter who we are no matter how we've got it together no matter how big our super is or no matter what we have in terms of possessions but we have none or whether we have a lot no matter how together we have it no matter how skilled we are, how wealthy, how praised by others, we are just dry bones without the Spirit of God working in our lives. No matter how beautiful this building is, if we are a community of hundreds, whether our music is incredible or our speakers are gifted or our leaders are attractive, I don't know, whether we have amazing programs or ministries or all this sort of stuff that we can kind of brag about, it's just dry bones. Just dry bones without the life of the Spirit of God at work in it. So today, if you feel like dry bones, maybe cold bones, cold dry bones, for whatever reason or reasons, there is hope for you today. If you feel like your dry bones if you feel like you really are nothing, if you feel like, look, I've put a face on to be here this morning, but if anyone ever really knew what was going on in my life, then just maybe you've come to the right place and moment. Because God is calling you to receive his spirit today. He wants his people to know his breath in their life to be continuously filled, as Ephesians says, Ephesians 5, by the Holy Spirit. Jürgen Moltmann, a famous theologian, says this about the Holy Spirit. He says, the Holy Spirit 
is the unrestricted presence of God in which our life wakes up, becomes holy and entirely living as it endowed with the energies of life. It's his breath that makes us a new creation. The new creation that the Apostle Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5.17. The new creation that means that the old is gone and the new has come. It's because his breath has breathed on our dry bones. It's his breath that gives us life. The life that makes the promises of the world nothing in comparison to the life we receive in Jesus. Even in suffering and even in persecution, we can know his breath of life in us because of Jesus. His breath that heals the brokenhearted, his breath that sets the oppressed free, his breath that gives sight to the blind. And I hope that today, as you hear this, other two things happen. One is that you're drawn to praise and celebrate God because this is your experience today. Or you think, boldly think, I want this. I want to know the breath of life today. I want to know the breath of life in me. I want to know the breath of life in our church, in our community, in our neighborhood. I want everything that I do, everything that I'm a part of, to be breathed on by God. You know, when Jesus was doing his ministry, he was teaching about the kingdom of God. He was teaching about the heart of God, bringing incredible healing, gathering disciples. Crowds were being drawn to him. He got people's attention. We read in John chapter 3 that one night, a key Pharisee, you know, this group of people that Jesus challenged, this group of people who got to the point of such dislike they wanted to see him hung on a cross, that one night a key Pharisee called Nicodemus came to see him in secret. And he really came with one question, I think, as I read it in John chapter 3. He's saying to Jesus, who are you? Clearly God is with you. But what is God doing? Nicodemus is saying, there is the life of God in what I'm seeing and what you're doing. I want this. I see the kingdom of God at work and I want to be a part of it. After all, that was the heartbeat of the Pharisees. They just desperately wanted to see the kingdom of God. They'd just gone about it the wrong way. And he sees something in Jesus. And he goes to him in the middle of the night. And Jesus says this to him in John 3, verse 5 onwards. He says, Very truly I tell you that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, 
You cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. What Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is this. What you are seeing is that God is building a new family in me and those who enter into this family are born into it. They're born again. And in, their born, in becoming born again, they, they are obedient to baptism, that public recognition that God has changed you and is Lord of your life. And they become part of the new family because they are born again of the Spirit, a new life that enters and bubbles up from within. This is what God is doing in Jesus. This is what he's saying to Nicodemus. This is what God is doing in me. This is what you will see. And this is what God is still doing in Jesus. What we should see, what we do see in the church all around the world. But the spirit, Jesus says, is like the wind. That same word again, pneuma. You can't manufacture it. You can't contain the wind. You can't conjure it. You can't create it. You know, the wind ceases to be the wind the moment you try to hold it. You get a breeze through your house. You want to keep that wind in there. You don't close both windows at both ends of your house. You know immediately what will happen. This is a picture of what the Spirit of God is like because the Spirit of God is the person of God, not a tool to be used or a lever to be pulled or just an experience to have but the person of God to be waited upon, to be looked for, to be experienced, yes, and a relationship to cherish. And so we should ask ourselves, are we willing to wait for him to move? You know, as I shared a few weeks ago, that day at Pentecost isn't prescriptive. They weren't looking for a particular move of God. They didn't know what to expect. They were just told to wait. And they waited on the promise of Jesus. And so we should ask ourselves, are we willing to open our heart, our agenda, our plans just to him to see what he is doing, to see what he might do, to simply be open before God? You know, I think we see this challenge in the way we listen to the way that Jesus talks about prayer when he says in Matthew 6, 5 to 10, he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray and standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by others. I truly tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling on like the pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can you hear in the words of Jesus how unreligious our prayer life should be it's not for performance it's not for ritual it's not to pull some sort of lever from heaven it's about being open before God in relationship with Jesus by his spirit the spirit is like the wind knowable, felt like breath he animates life in us 
He transforms us. And like breath, we can't live without another moment of it. We can't live, truly live, without him. But like the wind, he can't be contained or conjured by perfect methods or words or performance. Our job is to simply wait on him and say, Father in heaven, holy are you. Set apart are you. So far above all things are you. Let your kingdom come in my life. Let your kingdom come in our church. Let your kingdom come in our neighborhood, in our world. Let your will be done. Just like that day at Pentecost. I'm going to ask the band to come up. You know, we do a lot of similar things each week. We can fall in love with those things. I don't want to challenge that. Challenge that in me. And Sundays, we can do similar things. Sundays really is only one moment, or it is, only one moment of our week. We gather, we get welcomed at the door, we send our kids out to kids' church, we sing, we pray, we listen, someone talk, or we snooze. But Jesus says it's not because of those things that we find life. It's in his spirit at work. Today and every week, we begin each week in prayer in the cafe. And my hope is that we do this because we want to begin with openness before the spirit of God. Not because we have to, but because we want to get our hearts in the right place to hear what he's saying. We want to feel the movement of the wind of his spirit. One final challenge. If we can't contain the wind of the spirit, then maybe, like for Nicodemus, he's at work in places and in people and in ways that we aren't expecting. Ways that we wouldn't believe that he would. And so if the spirit of God is like the wind, we should be looking to where the wind is blowing. We should be looking for him at work. We should be longing for him to move, whatever it looks like, however it is, because it's him. The church was birthed not when they got everything right in the right order, but with the word suddenly. Suddenly the spirit began to move. And they were there, open, ready, and suddenly they became alive in Christ. And this is how the spirit is to be experienced, as fire, as peace, as living water, as the breath of life, as the wind of the spirit. We're going to have a moment now, we're going to come around a song, not because we have to, but because we just want to be open before God. You don't have to sing it, you can just listen, you can sit, you can stand, you can do whatever you want, but my challenge is that in this moment you will just be open, open to the wind of the Spirit, that you will long for the breath of life to fill you. So my prayer we go into this moment is Holy Spirit come Holy 
Spirit.